Jamie Lewis, and this is Consumed, candid conversations about life and flavor. Before we get into it, I want to share a bit about our sponsor. The inaugural season of Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine. Now in its 10th year, Slow Life Magazine celebrates the culture of San Luis Obispo with features on the people, influences, products, and businesses that keep this city moving and shaking. I've written the food column in Slow Life Magazine since 2015, where I cover restaurants and food trends here. And over the years, I've seen how devoted Slow Life Magazine's following really is. Readers love learning about their community and weaving into the fabric of this very special place. To learn how you can subscribe, be sure to visit their website at slowlifemagazine.com. My guest today is Damien Camacho. Damien has been a server at Novo Restaurant in downtown San Luis Obispo for the past 10 years and is well-known and well-loved for his kind and empathetic attention to guests. When he's not hustling at Novo, he's a DJ for events all over the Central Coast. We sat down to talk about good service, Yelp reviews, home-cooked Mexican food, music, and the evolution of downtown San Luis Obispo. I hope you enjoy. You said yes to me so readily when I said... Come talk about, I mean, it's not just about food. I want to yeah. talk about, I don't know. I just, I think that food is kind of the gateway that we all have to walk through because everybody, like everybody poops, everybody eats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what, are, um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I feel like it could be anybody sitting here, but you actually yeah. happen to you pass a lot of food on your hands to a lot of people. Clean hands. (laughs) Always clean hands. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to hear, I mean, there's so much I want to know actually. Um, But maybe tell me, I mean, first things first, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Uh, This morning, have not had breakfast. Last night, had a giant pizza dinner. So not hungry. You have you know what? I'm going to just say, yeah. that does not work for me. If I eat a massive pizza dinner the night before, yeah. I wake up starving. I have drank like a half gallon of water mm. already and just starting on the coffee right now. So I'm in a, let's say a flushing state of mind. Yeah. When you eat pizza so. like that, do you wake up in the middle of the night thirsty? I wake up uh, like like my body has no liquid in it. Um, I don't wake up. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper okay. i would say and yeah. i think uh i think my wife can tell you yeah that i am yeah how are you not eating breakfast though i am huh? like i yeah do you is that normal for you every morning um it's you know what M- my relationship to food has changed obviously as like my needs mm-hmm. for food and from food have changed mm-hmm. um and i used to be very regimented about like you wake up and the first thing on my mind is like breakfast um but i'm also like a stress slash nervous eater you are yeah and um like just when i was a kid food was a sort of like nurturing method that my mom and like women in my extended family i don't know you know traditional stereotypical like mexican yeah women yeah. Like nurture you with food, yeah. um, not as a substitute, but maybe as an addition to other things. Mm-hmm. And 
now that I'm older and like my metabolism is changing, I find that I don't have to eat as much. And sometimes that means skipping breakfast. Yeah. So I identify with that. I feel like I don't eat nearly as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like that I need to necessarily, yeah. but breakfast is a non-negotiable. I cannot, I can't be me until I've had something okay. and something with protein. It's gotta be, I don't know. I'm a morning person. Sure. Yeah. I wake up pretty early and in order to be able to, I mean, I use my brain a lot in the morning and I find that that's my awake, happy, productive time. And if I don't fuel that, yeah. it really shows. And I get extremely cranky. And so yeah. it's, would you say that breakfast is part of your morning ritual? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost always the same thing. Is it the same thing for you every day or does it change? It changes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's usually um, some kind of sautéed vegetable, yeah, uh, and then eggs. Oh my gosh, you sauté uh, vegetables. Maybe in the even morning? chicken. Yeah, I get. I well, um, I miss cereal, but <laughs> this is people of our age. Everybody's yeah. like, I don't eat cereal anymore, but man, I miss oh it. Oh my gosh, yeah. It comes out of a box. It, I mean, it's it, so easy. It, it lives in a bag. It comes out of a box. <laughs> it's a. It's like a five part instruction from start to finish yeah and but you know like there's no nutritional value Mm -hmm. in it and if you're gonna have one meal it should be like a nutritious one you know because like once you're out the door or you're off at work common misconception is when you're working at a restaurant you actually don't get to eat a lot so people think that you do but you really don't yeah, yeah you know because you are worried about other people eating and them having a great experience that you don't necessarily get a lot of downtime to like sit and try the special or like, I haven't had this dish in a long time. So let me revisit that. Yeah. You know, at least for me. How long have you been at Novo? It's been over 10 years. Yeah. It's my first and only restaurant job. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I worked at Coldstone in high school, but I don't count that as a no, restaurant. No, no, no. That's... Yeah, that's, that's my only other food service experience. I mean, food safety, sure, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get that job? How did that come to pass? There were a couple of people that I worked with at Coldstone, actually, that when I wanted to get my second job, um, it was either second or third, mm-hmm. um, I reached out to them and, you know, at the time I was early 20s maybe and like realizing that you could get an hourly wage and then the tip which is a variable and but was dependent because the restaurant's always busy Mm. you know so um it is always busy in there yeah yeah the last few months obviously with the weather being what it is our primary seating is outdoors it's been a little rough but other than that it's it's always busy yeah yeah um so to answer your question, yeah. how I got started, I was looking for another job. I knew some people in there and I heard that you can make money in restaurants, but mm-hmm. I started at the bottom. I was under like no experience, started as a busser, did that for a couple of years and started running food, mm-hmm. did that for a few years, kind of in tandem and then started serving daytime, did that for like a year or two, then moved into nighttime. And that was like that jump from lunch to dinner. Yeah. Huge. I'm sure. Was a big knowledge leap. Because if if anyone, you know, listening has worked in a restaurant, you know that lunchtime, people are usually on a time schedule. They're trying to fit in a meeting while they're eating. So you're doing a lot of like 
quick stuff, teas, lemonades, maybe a beer or a glass of wine for someone that's got a long lunch or has been watching like Mad Men. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't, that's another age <laughs> thing. I can't do those midday. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Depending on the industry, maybe there's yeah. a little more leeway, but, um, so it's super fast, mm-hmm. right? You're not getting a lot of questions about ingredients and then accompanying beverages. But then once you go to dinner, then you're, mood has to change because people are more relaxed Mm. and they want more of an experience they're usually there with friends or a loved one or Mm. um you know they want a little more than just like that plain service and they linger yeah yeah exactly indefinitely exactly you know we'll chalk that up to atmosphere in the restaurant people just get really comfortable and they want to sit they might be having an awesome conversation or the date's going really well mm-hmm. and they didn't think of the second phase of their evening, you know, yeah. so they're like, well, let's just stay here. And Novo is such a lingering kind of a place. I mean, it yeah, really it is. Be. I can think of some places where, you know, I'm in, I'm out, but yeah. that place has always been so warm and welcoming and it manages to be really diverse and global. I mean, I've always, I think that's the appeal of that place. We definitely try to, I would say one of the most common questions we get is, especially when people that have traveled some or feel that they're kind of more than a novice, less than an expert when it comes to like Thai food specifically, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they'll say something along the lines of like, these flavors feel really authentic, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's all work that the owners have done work that Robin's done over the years. I mean, Nova has been there for, I think close to 15 years now, you know, um, it was chow for a short minute during the retrofit, um, after the earthquake in San Simeon. I Um, forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. It lived as chow for a second, um, while the building was being, um, brought up to code, Mm -hmm. but then, it moved right back in. Was it only that chow noodle dish at the time when it was chow? Did they only do noodles? You know what? I didn't work there at the time. Okay. But I I do remember eating there mm-hmm. in that building that was next to the uh, Palm Theater. I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Was which it, used to be palindromes. Palindromes. Which had very good pizza, the if deep I remember. Dish style, right? Yes. And it was so, yeah. And I would love going there and like having a pizza by myself <laughs> little window yeah. into my eating style yeah. <laughs> and then um and then going to a movie that was oh, like okay. the single life in slow which i don't always like recommend $20 yeah total, right <laughs> totally yeah yeah that was a good date with self was palindromes and then yeah. that but that's right chow was in there mm-hmm. and it felt super temporary i remember yeah um you know from what i remember the the room, the space, the dining space was not that big. Yeah. Maybe 15 tables mm-hmm. most. And it was, it was a little dark in there. I think like they didn't spend a lot of time really living in it because no. they knew it was temporary. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I remember I'm, that. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I miss, I, there are times when I really miss downtown slow. I feel like it's different now. It is. I, yeah. I still love it down there. I still yeah. love walking down there and, checking in on new stuff, but there are things like you're just stoking that memory of going right. to palindromes right. and going to say like Scrubby and Lloyd's for a burger, which is way back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To give it any context, I moved to San Luis Obispo in 98. Okay. So before that I was in Santa Maria. And, okay. Um, a <gasps> real grande. Which, you lived in AG too. Um, really briefly until I was about eight. Okay. Um, I, I, get, I should say 
technically we were in Oceano. Okay. Um, yeah. People take that very seriously. <laughs> um, on which side do they take it seriously? People on Oceano are like, no, it's Oceano. Or people in AG are like, no, that's Oceano. I've heard it more for folks that live in AG. Yeah. Like folks that are a little bit closer to the village um, may feel strongly about that distinction. I've heard that too. I've actually heard that there's also a strong distinction between AG and slow for people who are out in Edna. Somewhere oh, really? okay. there's a zip code difference and people who live in slow get very nervous when people start saying they live in slow, but they're actually in 93420, which is, oh my gosh. I mean, even in the <laughs> smallest of places, it gets really stupid, really yeah, fast. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Yeah. We much. probably we don't want to start any like. But regional. No, I don't. Wobbles. I don't want like yeah the sharks and the jets to start happening <laughs> around here. Um, um, you so sorry. Yeah, just please. To backtrack. Yeah, you mentioned you miss mm. downtown slow, mm-hmm. and as someone that's you know kind of newer to the area when talking to certain folks, I do hear 98 that ninety eight was twenty years ago, but okay, right. Mm-hmm. I well, I think I have to be careful about saying, you know, I'm a local because there are certain people that yeah. will say, well, were you born here? Have you right. been here the whole time? You know, um, not in any kind of malicious way, but just yeah. they want information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear that, oh, I miss mm-hmm. that downtown or I miss that version of downtown. Yeah, yep. right? that's and a great like, way to say it. It's like a, they miss a feeling of yes. what I guess is like, accessibility of like Mm. comfort of familiarity i don't think it's just that i think it's people i miss i miss mom and pop places that gambled everything to be there Mm. like where there's a real risk involved i love stories about risk too i mean i just think that that's the arc of a story is always better when somebody has to put it all out there and they could fail or succeed but places like you know, decades that sold consignment or not consignment, but they sold secondhand vintage. Yeah. Yeah. And very curated vintage. I hate the word curated, but that's what it was. (laughs) I mean, they chose what they wanted to sell there. And I miss, um, Don, the owner actually lives like two doors down from my parents on them. I know what street that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a really funny guy. Yeah. I, I, um, they sometimes will have like sidewalk sales of the oh, stuff yeah. that they used to, that they couldn't get rid of when they yeah. closed decades. I remember I, I spoke with him and, uh, during one of those sales and, you know, I was like looking through the records and just kind of asking questions like, is this a private collection? What's going on? <laughs> and he was like, no, I've got like whatever amount of storage space and this is just yeah. something I grabbed and yeah. who knows what else, who knows what else. He holds awesome garage sales because he's got all that stuff i mean right yeah, yeah. sounds so. like he doesn't need to get rid of it anytime <laughs> soon he's just like it's saturday i'll put it out there yeah yeah he's going somewhat leisurely about it yeah yeah but like to, to your point about downtown or to your question yeah i just um i miss i think it's not downtown's fault it's i i don't want to place blame there i think mm-hmm. it's i think it's a global thing that's happening or at least an American thing that's happening where I mean I remember I grew up in Napomo so mm-hmm. very close to where you grew up and oh man just a quick shout out to Little Jocko's yes oh my gosh yeah. Little Jocko's I've seen some things go down there that were wow but what a don't, great don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but like a good chili dog at Little Jocko's oh, yeah. after a soccer game or something yeah 
But I, I mean, growing up in Napomo, we would come up to slow to shop. Mm-hmm. That was where if you wanted to see, you know, if you wanted to get something special or something that you couldn't get anywhere else, often right. slow or Santa Barbara, you know, like if you were really going to spend a whole day. Yeah. And, and I, the money. And the money. But yeah. I miss that. I feel like so much of the compliment of what's down there now is national chains or, you know, like right. in the case of H&M, it's international. Yeah. That's not to say I don't shop there. I do. Yeah. But, um, I miss, yeah, I miss that kind of shopping, like specialized, small, I don't know. I miss like hanging out on the patio at Linnea's for hours. I think also what I miss is a time. The patio's still there. You can still go. That's it though. That's just it. It's my life has changed (laughs) too. You know, I'm kind of like nostalgic for a time when I had just endless hours to spend on the patio. Yeah. Which I think is a natural kind of state of mind to get in once you get into a phase of life where mm-hmm. the amount and the type of responsibilities increase. Yeah. Right. Um, but from a perspective of someone that's, you know, just a couple years younger, mm-hmm. um, I do re- still remember that time, what you were saying about, San Luis Obispo was that place where if you needed something a little bit nicer, mm-hmm. a little fancier, or like if you wanted to go to like a nicer restaurant mm-hmm. that wasn't uh, like Olive Garden or Red Lobster, because that's what was in Santa Maria. Right? There's more in Santa Maria. There's more, yes. but you have to like really scratch around to find right. it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of gems in Guadalupe as well. Yeah. Uh, for, I would like to know food. about those actually. You gotta, you gotta drive there. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell it. I'm not gonna say it where more people might <laughs> might hear it. <laughs> They'll resent you forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to compete more than we have to. Totally. To go to those places. But Guadalupe is one of those amazing places where, what does it take? 20, 25 minutes to get there. Yeah. If you, t- I mean, if you take the the highway, um, there's a couple ways to get there. If you take that yeah. long way, you can turn it into like a half hour drive. But when you yeah. get there, it's like, wait, where am I? It's a time capsule for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but to kind of bring back to the point, part of what's happened with downtown, at least from my perspective, is not necessarily just an American thing. Mm. It's it's a evolving kind of interdependency that companies are starting to exploit mm. from customers. And what does that mean? What is the, who's dependent on what? Because the demand for the product that's marketed the most by the companies with the most amount of money mm-hmm. to be the most effective at it, because of that ma- demand increases, the consumer wants that product Hmm. and so the the dependency is obviously two ways in that situation but the customer is dependent on the company to bring it to them and the company is dependent on the customer to obviously purchase it right yeah and as as the internet i know it's the it's like the white it's the elephant in the room the internet is while it's simultaneously making everything really convenient it also makes the demand a bit louder yeah right Mm -hmm. and what we were talking about earlier as far as amazon and convenience you know some folks can order for example a garment from Mm h&m it might take three to five days Mm-hmm. Or, which which now feels which like an eternity. Long. <laughs> yeah, you know. Give me my pants. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
But if that store comes to your town, if the corporation kind of loosens its standards on where it will open a location in regards to like population density and like median income in that area. Um, If a company does do that, then, hey, you might have an H&M in your town and you don't have to wait three to five days. And it is Um, totally algorithmic like that where they they do massive market analysis. No, no. Yeah, it's not by accident that like there was a gap first and then there was an old navy and then there was a banana republic and and there wasn't it wasn't an accident that there was a pottery barn first and now Mm. there's a william sonoma and are they the same they're the same company right yeah they're owned by the same company but pottery barn is at a lower price point in theory than william sonoma so the idea being if consumers can handle the price point of the lower tier company then they can kind of keep up with the Joneses their mm-hmm. way to the upper tier. So Urban Outfitters yes. and Anthropology are owned by the same company. Correct. And apparently, and Urban Outfitters, I believe, is the lower tier for those two companies. So apparently San Luis Obispo County has not made the grade <laughs> enough to get Anthropology. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, not yet. No. But who knows if that'll happen. But it's it's dependent on where the community puts their money yeah where they shop you know yeah. and so while being nostalgic and lamenting the the days of mom and pop shops the days of like knowing who owned a business mm-hmm. um versus who just works there yeah you know while those days are you know are you ascribing a, a, like a good or bad to that? Do you think that it's better this way? Um, for me personally, mm-hmm. I I think that's a that's just a headache. Yeah. Um, appointing a feeling of one version is better than the other is mm. so subjective to your own feelings about commodity, yeah. convenience, you know, any number of things. And my season of life. I mean, it's so, so subjective. Right. You know, we were just describing a time where we had to commute half an hour from Napomo or Santa Maria, respectively, to buy something, Mm -hmm. you know. And I would say the average consumer doesn't want to do that anymore. No. We, We don't feel like we should have to. And so that affects where people spend their money, which in turn affects what businesses survive. Yeah. And... And also the proposed businesses that might come in in the future. Mm-hmm. For example, if it's funny, we're not really talking about food, but it's it does not matter. I okay. love tangents. Go. If we look at the square footage price and cost, and what that's done in the twenty years that I've been here, yeah, obviously you can see that it's gone up. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Whether you want to look at just median or just average Mm -hmm. of the downtown district. While that's gone up, the barrier to entry, you can assume, has gone up. And for anyone that's done the rough math estimates to opening a business, not only to get the doors open, but also to survive the first three to five years based on whatever business you have, Mm -hmm. anyone that's done that math will see that that's going to be really really tough yeah you know yeah and of course if we have adjust for inflation between now and 20 years that might look a little different based mm-hmm. on what people want to do but i think the overarching message is that it's just really really expensive to start a new spot 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and also especially restaurants actually because yeah. a kitchen is particularly right. expensive. Right. Yeah. So you're looking at not just the rent per square foot, but you're also looking at all the equipment. Whereas mm-hmm. like a clothing place could come in a little boutique and I mean, there's very little that they need to do to adapt that space for sale when compared to a restaurant. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. When compared to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the margins of overhead vary depending on, yeah. you know, if we're just looking at those two, but yeah, to turn a space that essentially is a blank slate. Um, let's just say, for example, there's, there's a space that's been kind of revolving through various iterations next to black sheep. Wait, hold on. Uh, a tiny yeah. little. Oh, and it's so cute too. It's like, it's like, it makes no sense that it wouldn't be doing so well. Right. It's, it's on like a pretty main street. Mm-hmm. It's on Charles street, right? There's yeah. businesses right around. Yeah. Um, but it's been vacant for quite some time. Yeah. And when I say vacant, I mean, there hasn't been a permanent business there. Yeah. They've done some like pop-up things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but if you were to try to turn that into a place that was brought up to food safety code, mm-hmm. had a full kitchen in the back, had seating to make it feasible to stay open and pay all the bills, mm-hmm. like it's... You think it would kill it or not? It's, it's easily over like a million dollars. Oh, to get it there. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. And so... Oh, easily, I would think. Yeah. And so where... For someone that just wants to like open up a breakfast spot, like if you don't have a million dollars to be in downtown, you know, San Luis Obispo, you may look elsewhere. You may get discouraged. You might think like, well, I'll just do a food truck or something like, so whereas the path might've been a little bit more direct and the belief that it was possible may have been a bit greater. Mm -hmm. I think what we're looking at now is a little discouraging. I mean, oh, Gap just closed. I know. I mean, this, obviously they have their own corporate business. They're going to be fine. Gap is yeah, going to be okay. Fine. But like when you see a giant chain store close, like yeah. that's not necessarily a reflection, a reflection of the town that it's in, but it's also a reflection of like the economy as a whole. Like yes. If a brick and mortar corporate store can't stay open, where are those people getting their products from? Well, but I think again, coming back to a mom and pop, I mean- Let's say it costs easily a million. Mm-hmm. And let's say also that it doesn't succeed and they have to sell or it's not up to what they want it to be and they have to sell. Yeah. They're not getting a ton back. I mean, you know, if right. you're selling off equipment, you know, they're not, it's not like you're investing capital that you will always get back to True. the full amount. True. Yeah. I mean, how does somebody, I don't know. I just, I heard a statistic yesterday that 60% of all new restaurants are fail. Yeah. Oh my God. I think that's, I think that's, do you think that's low similar? even? No. Um, I think it's within the first five years Yes, or right. maybe within the first two to three. Yeah. And when they say fail, I, not to put words in your mouth, but no. I think they assume like grand opening, grand closing. Yes. I know. And even yeah. as I said the word fail, I was thinking, no, there are, there are restaurants that actually succeed in my mind that are around less than five years. They succeed in bringing a great product to people. It's just that they don't last. They, they can't hold out much yeah, longer. Yeah. At a certain point, the debt becomes too great. They can't make enough money per transaction yeah. fast enough or in yeah. high enough volume to 
pay for the bills mm-hmm. and at certain yeah at a certain point so so with that in mind it is you know really awesome to see some restaurants still yes still there and you know like obviously Noah's been there like it's really awesome to see Giuseppe's like yes move locations and it's beautiful in there I mean I don't know any anything of what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. but it just looks really incredible yeah. and and know. they made use of that beautiful old building it's yeah. like active again yeah but there are some places i mean i've talked with jake so many i mean we just talk ad nauseum about certain venues feel cursed mm. um but it's always cool to see oh, you mean like lunar red exactly that's the first <laughs> one i always think of yeah. lunar and i've i've interviewed um Shani and Robin about mm-hmm. that space. And they say, I'm Shani told me, you know, of all of our properties, that's the one that we have to be most intentional about because the way mm-hmm. that it's even laid out, it doesn't give itself to, it doesn't lend itself to an easy flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that they succeed with that property is, I mean, it's to be celebrated. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, for anyone that's worked in restaurants or just knows or likes to be kind of curious, mm-hmm. the flow of from the time the customer enters the establishment, enters a property, like all of that has been thought out yeah. for months, if not years ahead of time, you know, like where the host stand is, mm-hmm. where the bar is, where the bathrooms are, um, all of that's been thought out. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of their success is also, um, what they've been able to do with the Robins yes. in Cambria, oh, such a great you know, spot. um, Novo as well. And that did help carry them into like, Hey, this is, yeah, this is our newest venture, mm-hmm. you know? And so people trust them, the, yeah. the community trusts them. And I think that means a lot. Yes. Not to does. take anything away from the businesses that came in there before. Oh, but they earned, um, they earned, the but trust. you know, like if we're just looking at the facts, like yeah. one's open one's not yeah you know yeah um, well and to have a bunch of different properties like they do I mean I I'm sure that some do better than others and there probably have been times especially when a business was brand new that one mm-hmm. floated the other and then it you know rose up and maybe it floated another one when it was when the going was slow right um but they have a real well they have a gift for patios let's just say <laughs> yeah superlative yeah. patios I really love the Robbins one yeah me um, too I like that it's I, I I don't know if anyone ever feels this, but it feels a little, a little middle earth to oh, me. For sure. Um, you know, there's yeah. just so much vegetation there, but mm-hmm. it's also really cozy. Um, I love sitting just in that underneath that wooden structure with the heaters. Yeah. It's just really, really nice. and it feels, um, it's been there so long that it feels almost grown over in a way where it's yes. like, you can't extricate this business from this place. Yeah. It could yeah. never be anything but Robbins. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's people in Cambria that are like, Robbins has always been there. Yeah. You know, it is. It's um, like the post office or something. Yeah. Like that corner can never be anything else besides no. Robbins. Yeah. What's your, have you ever worked? I mean, if you work at Novo, do you ever work at the other properties? Um, you can be hired. Mm hmm to work at another property. Um, but they're kind of treated separately. Okay. Um, from time to time, there may be a staff member that will fill in like in an emergency or like a major holiday. Yeah. But I would say generally everyone has separate staffs. Cause yeah. I mean, Nova's got like close to like a hundred employees 
And so no. Trying to schedule everyone. It's probably closer to like 60. I'm exaggerating. Even 60. But yeah, trying to schedule everyone like from the back of house to front of house to oh. the managers. Like, yeah, it, it would be tough to consider another staff group at another location. Yes. Um, Too so. many moving parts. Exactly. I want to ask you, and I hope you're open to answering this, but what is... This is so personal. What's the green curry recipe? (laughs) (laughs) No, more personal than that. What's the best tip you ever got? I mean, in 10 years, are you open to telling me? You mean financial? Like what's the best financial? Yeah, not like a piece of advice tip. I mean like, yeah. Well, uh, if you tell people you're getting married, they're likely to give you more money. Oh, Uh, Oh, uh, I just love that. (laughs) I love hearing stories about tips because it's always linked to like a heart experience somebody has where they're like, this is the best day of my life and I want to share it with you. My yeah. Server. Yeah. Um, I, there's not one that comes to mind right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the best tip that I got recently was actually from this really sweet couple. I think they're from like Missouri and they mm-hmm. come out here when it gets too cold. Um, and they, I think they arrive like new year's day and then they go back in April. Oh. It's like they're here for a few months. Yeah. And um, I waited on them for lunch. No, sorry. It was dinner first. It was maybe three weeks ago mm. at this point. And it wasn't a super busy night at the restaurant. They came in a little bit earlier. So um, I could give them the attention that they wanted, mm. which which is kind of a distinction that I like to think of is when you go out to eat as a customer, like you're giving off an energy to your server Mm. and i think a really attentive server is a good one yeah um and if they can read your energy and essentially say like i want this amount of attention or i don't want this amount of attention Mm -hmm. um that's usually for the best yeah so i was i was waiting on them and um everything went really smoothly it was the first time i talked to them a little bit about wine she ended up having a Cabernet from Paso, loved it. He had a Chardonnay and everything was going great, right? Wait, tell me which cab was it? No, I'm not going <laughs> to Damn it. <laughs> I that I won't, some things I won't answer. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the website, you I know, can see just, what's, I'll look at your menu. what's available. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I told you it was personal. I know, no kidding. It's so funny. Um, and... Towards the end of the dinner, um, they, you know, they were signing their check and they, they just kind of like said, you know what, we really appreciate how you do your job. Amazing. So that, that's really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, not to be too vain, but I asked them like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more about myself. <laughs> <laughs> what they uh, say? Um, they just they commented on how professional I was, Mm -hmm. but more than anything, just like how comfortable they felt. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think what we were mentioning earlier about how you can kind of lose track of time on that patio, Mm -hmm. as long as the food's hot, the drinks Mm -hmm. are available, you know, you can really relax in, in, in a space that feels, like you could be at your living room. Yes. Sometime. Well, that's exactly. It feels like it yeah. could be your own backyard. Yeah. And so I would say that is one of the best tips I've gotten. Hmm. Um, and of course, they did tip me generously as well to reflect that. Yeah. Um, 
And then they came back two weeks later and I had the chance to wait on them again. And this was just last week, like five days ago. Yeah. Um, and it was, they were like heading out mm. of town. They were going to go down south, I think, for a few days. Um, but yeah, again, they, they were just like really compl- complimenting and yeah. really nice. They, you know, tipped me generously again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that kind of affirmation mm-hmm. is really nice and, and it's like fulfilling in a way that, um, and this is not like a woe is me type of story, mm-hmm. but like you don't get that a lot in sure. in food service yeah you know where someone compliments like your ability as opposed to your work yeah which oh there's a distinction there really really is yeah I, yeah it's and it's actually kind of more about um a self-centered sort of diner versus mm-hmm. one who is open and yes attentive and curious and paying attention yeah and thinking of everyone as, you know, they may have had a bad day. They may have had a good day. You know, how is that energy flowing back and forth? Right, right. Um, yeah. That's so awesome that they would, yeah, care about the way you care about them. And it makes me think about your, some people are built hospitable. Right. And it seems yeah. to me, I mean, even talking to you right now, you are very um, hospitable in the way that you <laughs> talk with me. Yeah. Does that come from your the the women in your life from growing up or well i want to put out a disclaimer yeah um i while i am hospitable and happy to you know make sure people have a good experience Mm -hmm. um i do take it very seriously and there are a couple of co-workers that i think i've been less than nice to Mm -hmm. um over the years um you know famously kitchens are high stress situations and there was a period of time where i didn't handle that stress really well yeah um, constructively let's say mm-hmm. um you know i can have a little bit of a temper but all that being said i didn't say you were nice i, I just all said that you being were hospitable said, um i think hospitality and the feeling of wanting to be hospitable towards someone else essentially a stranger um, as a diner, um, that comes from in part, like my mom, um, and just like I mentioned earlier, like food was this added nurturing element, you know, um, like we just watched the movie Coco, the Pixar movie. Um, and there's a very short scene where the grandma is like offering the grandkid, like some tamales and it's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, thanks. And like, you know, like the, the record, she's like, are you dying? Skips. And she's like, what did you say? And he was like, I'll take some more. I was like, That's what I thought, you know, um, which is, is a reflection of like her warmth for him. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was just absorbed into me. And I, and I see like, I'm offering you something that I'm in, in the context of a restaurant, like you chose, this sounds good to you. But I'm all, it's also something you like need to live, mm, right? Yeah. And while it is just food in a certain context mm-hmm. and like it's ingredients prepared and served in a certain way, mm-hmm. like at a very basic level, it's, it's just calories. Food. Mm-hmm. Let's not get all philosophical about it. Yeah. But at a certain point, like that customer is instilling a sense of trust in you. And you want to deliver the best possible outcome. 
yeah. for that. And I think that comes from a place of empathy. Yes. And because you are for those two, three hours, like you are caring for that person in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to anticipate needs. You're trying to adjust things like adjust a table like especially since we're outside like yeah it's like hey can i offer you a blanket Do you want so many factors on? like all this stuff yeah. like you're you're just thinking about other people mm-hmm. for your whole shift and i think if you're not a sympathetic or empathetic person that may be kind of difficult totally you know so oh i think empathy and you know as you're talking about that i'm also thinking about your role as a dj um yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you're making choices that I think the best DJs are the ones who read the room yeah, and are able to pick the right thing to encourage people to have fun and to have joy and to be happy. And like, yeah. and also just the idea of, I, I love to dance, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love to dance. Yeah. I'm not a great dancer, but I love to move. Um, Don't trust a DJ that doesn't dance, by the way. Do you dance? I moved back there. Yeah, sure. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. somebody offering you something to eat where they wouldn't eat it themselves. It's like, <laughs> mm, mm, I don't think yeah. so. But yeah. yeah, to move, I have a friend, my friend Jenny up in the Bay Area says that dancing sometimes feels like exercising a demon. Like mm. you, there's no other way to get that feeling like any kind of a bad mood or bad juju out yeah. than to move your body to a beat. Um, and so I think that's also hospitable of you right. doing that. I mean, it's not an accident that you're in those two lines of work for sure. I, I don't see it as an accident either. Yeah. Um, DJing is a little bit different because you're reacting in like real time and usually going into an event, going into a gig, whatever, you have an idea of what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the contract is we've hired you. Now you have to deliver. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. We want YMCA (laughs) and we want, yeah. yeah, Um, Um, pour some sugar on me. But there is that same type of anticipation, you know, um, as a music collector that wants to play out to people, you've done the research ahead of time and said, okay, like these songs, I think will bring a certain mood Mm -hmm. that I want to instill based on what the gig is, you know? Um, like for example, you I DJ weddings. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna play, pour some sugar on me, during during dinner time necessarily. <laughs> no, come on, have you tried it? Right. <laughs> Maybe the, you should do a little beta I, testing. I, I, I would them. say in general, you know, depending on the on the crowd, <laughs> on who's there, and but you know, it's a very like intimate time for people to talk with family they haven't seen in a long time and friends and you don't want to be a distraction yeah in that moment and that's not to say that pour some sugar on me is a distraction but i think a good dj understands that there's context Mm -hmm. to each and there's mood to each song you know um and all those things go in to provide an experience that when people leave they'll hopefully remember it as like a good time. Totally. You know, which is kind of the same thing you can say for dining out. Yes. Um, it is an experience. And at the end, you have this feeling that lives in your belly, yeah. right? Obviously yeah. the food, but like you just have this nerve response to what right. just happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it can it's, be similar. 
It's so elemental. And it's, it's interesting as we talk. I mean, I, I was even hesitant about doing a podcast like this because it really just connotes so much privilege that we have to even dine out, mm-hmm. um, to hire a DJ, to have music, you know, on our phones at our disposal at any given moment. I mean, even just the, the ability with Spotify and, um, YouTube mm-hmm. to find any song we want anytime. I mean, I remember growing up is like you drive into San Luis yeah. or you go down to San Marie and you go to Walden books <laughs> or, you know, I can't remember the other names of, yeah, the different shops in the mall and yeah. you bought your cassette tape and you had to like rewind. Sam Goodies. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I could yeah. see your wheels turning like, I know this. I know where you're going. Sam Goodies. Yeah. On the corner upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And Cookie Crock was right below. Oh, God, the Santa Maria Mall. No, I know. I know. It's It hurts. I, I love... <laughs> I'm going to get on a high horse, but yeah. I love when folks talk about the slow mall or the promenade that used to exist out there. We can talk about I'm that. I'm like, you yeah. don't even know what a mall is, man. No. Oh, and we let, always recognize... Let me recognized... show you what a proper mall is. The Santa Maria Mall. Yeah. You could spend hours walking around. Yeah. There was two levels. Like, if you needed some from Sears, you could go to Sears. <laughs> so but bad. you could walk out, go to... Um, <laughs> Miller's Outpost. Well, it was, I remember where Miller's Outpost was. Yeah. And then there was a Foot Locker. There was a Hallmark store downstairs. Sure. There was a A um, little photo booth thing where you can take like photos with your girlfriend and totally. There was a House of Fabrics there. You could buy fabric to sew, you could buy patterns. Like the mall, the Santa Maria Mall, though, it wasn't the same in Slow. It just never quite took hold. And I wonder if that's because Slow's downtown was yeah. always so, it was like the pulsating heart totally. of town. Totally. Yeah. People are like, what do I need Claire's for at, you know, at the Slow Mall? Right. But yes, yeah. I can't even remember what I was saying. You need Claire's because you always run out of little banana clips. Oh my gosh. Or like I need a fifth piercing on my right ear. <laughs> I think I have, I can't, somebody was asking me recently, how many piercings do you have on your right ear? And I, I remember I would do one for every boy that I broke up with. And there were oh a gosh. lot. It was it was so, I was an awful person. I think it was five. It's weird that you would break up with someone and then <laughs> sub, subject yourself to something painful. Maybe that's I, a way of no like. There's no logic. I think it was just an excuse. It was like, like. I'm never going back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just wanted to pierce my ear all kinds. Yeah. And it was like, that's a good way to do it. Sure. Right, right. Oh, it's ugly. Stupid. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. The the slow downtown entity, mm-hmm. the the atmosphere, all of the businesses that helped cultivate it as this place that you go experience. You can go shop. You can go eat. Um, but even back then, like if we if we use the P word, the privilege word. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that comes from a certain place of economic ability and mobility right like when we needed something the communities we were living in santa maria and apoma or grande Mm -hmm. like they weren't financially capable of supporting that type of business concentration right yes so we did have to commute whereas folks that lived here maybe just by chance or just because you know your parents moved here like this is just their normal Yes. Right. Well, and all of a sudden we've got this whole, and I don't, I'm not saying I disapprove and God knows I make money off of it, but we have a marketing agenda here now. Sure. Um, and, uh, we are capitalizing on that and we are kind of rising to this 
challenge, I'll say, of, you know, we, we take after Santa Barbara now, we take after, I mean, all of the best things about so many coastal cities in California, we definitely rise to that. Yeah. Um, Check a lot of boxes. Yeah. But growing up, did we have any idea that it was like that? I mean, it was just home. Like, right. You know, I mean, yeah. I lived in Napomo. My parents built a house in an acre of dirt, like not sand, dirt with red ants crawling on it. And we oh, played in the dirt a lot. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's like when I think of growing yeah. up, people say, oh, you're so lucky to grow up here. And I was. Yeah. But let's not confuse how it was to grow up. Right. And I think it's important just as it's important to point out that there are distinctions. You know, mm-hmm. yes, the Central Coast is a beautiful place to live. Yep. But within that context of the Central Coast, there are still different experiences so totally. of growing up. Yep. So all that being said, it is really awesome to find ourselves in a position where we can go out to eat. Because, I mean, it's still it's still a luxury. It's a treat every time. It's I still treat, you know? I love it. Yeah. Because depending on your own personal financial situation and your own budgeting strategy, right? Like, you may only be able to go out once a week, yeah. once a month, you mm-hmm. know, depending. So that factors in, and I think it should factor in to how restaurants treat their customers yeah. and how and how they cultivate a culture within their restaurant Mm -hmm. to say thank you for spending your hard-earned money Mm. to come here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even Um, as they spend their hard-earned money to be present. I mean, yes, there should be empathy going both ways. I mean, honestly. Right. Um, Yeah. But In (laughs) in the customer's defense, there are, there are some people that have a tough time (laughs) <laughs> being in a serving position yes but find themselves in a serving position and i would say san luis obispo excels <laughs> at I, and i'm not going to get political here but there there is a need for more um empathetic servers i think yeah yeah we can leave it at that if i mean we can leave that subject there yeah yeah, yeah. um i think I think there's a lot of really good restaurants in mm-hmm. San Luis Obispo. I mean, and we should say San Luis Obispo County. Yeah. I know? mean, that's how I think of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's places in Paso that are fantastic. Such amazing places yeah. in Paso. Atascadero has some really yeah. great places too. Morro Bay. Like, um, you know, there's places in AG that are just... Killing I mean, it. Yeah. So, um, but a bad server can ruin an experience mm-hmm. pretty quickly even if the even if the food comes out hot even if the drinks yeah. arrive on time if if the customer has this impression that the employee doesn't want to be there or yeah. like doesn't care about them mm-hmm. you know it also doesn't it, matter how good the food is yeah. if the server is not happy to be there like you say yeah they're the last frontier to getting to the guest. So, you know, yeah. I'm not even really, it says a lot about how we perceive a situation versus like objective flavor or it might look beautiful to my eyes. It mm-hmm. might smell great. But if the person serving it to me is not happy, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean false happy, but just like 
cool in their skin, I'm not going to taste any of that or smell any of that or see any of that. Right. It'll be a distraction. Yeah. Right. right? It'll be, it'll keep me from paying attention. Yeah. And of course, everyone has bad days at work. Sure. Everyone has bad days at the office, but I think there's enough people out there that need jobs Mm -hmm. that if trained properly in, in what a restaurant is offering and what a customer should receive and also what they expect. Um, if an employee is trained in that and like informed and prepared, then there's no reason why that part of the restaurant Mm. should fail. So it's, it's incumbent on the, on the owners. I, yeah. I mean, much, much like a company's culture, we Mm -hmm. talk, you know, we, we talk a lot about like cultural and corporate diversity and corporate Mm -hmm. culture. And that's what everybody wants in their jobs these days. But like, that's top down. It is top down, you know? Um, and it's on a smaller scale, like restaurants and bars operate in a very similar way. Mm -hmm. Like there's restaurants that I kind of have to like psych myself up for, (laughs) You know, that's not good. It, it, it's not. And of course, no one's forcing me to go there. Yeah. But the food might be really good. Yes. But the service is kind of like, meh. You are also though, I mean, it must be tough to sit and be served when you are often <laughs> in that position. of. I mean, cause you, I have gone out with people who were servers for, you know, 25 years mm-hmm. and, um, Oh, they are tough to sit with because their standards are so exacting. Yes. Yes. And I recognize that. I recognize that about myself and how this might sound, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, in no way am I saying that ever, that there's one way and that one is mine to do this job. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not what I think, but I think there's a difference between a server that's just there to make money Mm -hmm. versus one that's there to provide an experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I do want to also say with the fear that rating platforms have created amongst oh, restaurants. Yes, we should mention um, that. Yeah. Because for anyone that doesn't know or hasn't bothered to think about, like there is an element of fear and hesitation mm-hmm. that, restaurant owners, managers, investors have to consider that's not as direct as it used to be, right? Mm, Right. Because before Yelp or whatever, like if someone didn't like your food, they probably told you about it if you were the owner or the waiter or, or I mean, maybe like maybe, right. Yeah. Or, or they just didn't come back. They just didn't return. Yeah. Or they might've told their family or their friends, like, maybe 10 people let's just throw an arbitrary number on it maybe 10 people right but now someone can someone who's only been to your restaurant once can leave a review yes on a platform that hundreds or thousands of people will reference Mm -hmm. and that singular experience can deter thousands of people and it it lives forever and it lives forever and it seems entirely unfair Mm mm-hmm and I just want to point out that having an opinion and being critical does not make you a critic. Thank you. I mean, I completely, and, right? and also just, I, I'm uncomfortable with critics and criticism, even at like a paid 
journalistic level. I don't see how a person can be qualified to speak from on high like that. I try, whenever I write something, I try to give context for, you know, I I have nice editors who let me talk about, (laughs) was I having a good day? Um, What my historical context is with eating, say, falafel. I have memories of, you know. king falafel? (laughs) God, I love falafel. No, where, uh, where did I eat? I did Petra. I did a place in okay. Morro Bay. Um, anyway, I'm going off on tangent because I can. My fault. Sorry. Falafel so can te- get me. The, mm. You have editors that are. Well, they're just very kind to let me paint a picture. Mm-hmm. I think painting a picture is so much more important than rating a place against another place based on a singular or even like, you know, really uh, robust newspapers their critics go out far more than once i mean they sometimes will go out 10 times sometimes in disguise to get an idea of what a place is like and how different personas get treated now that's better but i still would feel uncomfortable with saying this place is good here's how many stars it gets or this place is bad here's how many stars it gets i just i find that to be an outmoded i think we've evolved beyond that yes yes and no Hmm. And the reason I say no is because I I believe that if someone has taken the time to independently and individually accumulate the knowledge and information of like spice variety of like how the texture of something should yeah. be yeah I think because we can't negate that time well that's we can't true dis- we can't dismiss it right yes but because we've always looked to quote unquote experts. Yeah. And I do believe in experts. I do. I don't think we're saying that we should get rid of the Michelin star system. No, an objective truth and like absolute, I think that there is an objective truth. Yeah. I do believe in that. Right. But I think we also can't trust with the same level of confidence. Someone we've never met on a food rating app that is rating a restaurant in a town that they don't even live in. God, it's true. And you think right? about... It's like people are on vacation. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, hey, guess what? Some people go on vacation just to rate restaurants they totally in towns do. that they don't live in. Yeah. And they've got no... At their worst, they've got no consideration or allegiance to anyone that might be impacted yeah. by that review. Whether it's the serving staff, whether it's, you know, management, whether it's like the busboy or the yeah. kitchen staff. Yeah. Like, and their standards are all different. Right. What's acceptable, what's unacceptable. We don't have any way of knowing. Like if someone comes into Novo and they're like, this green curry is absolute garbage. <laughs> like I've been to Thailand and oh, this tastes scary. nothing like what I had at this beachside restaurant on an island. And it's like. <laughs> Okay, yes, you're right. This will taste nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But does that make it objectively bad? Terrible? Yeah, yeah. No, like you, you're comparing one very unique, personal, subjective experience, mm-hmm. and using that one dish as like the the rubric for which all other dishes are graded upon. Very well said. Yes, it's absolutely right. And 
Now, the distinction that I have in my mind between that person and a food critic, mm. especially a food critic that's like specialized in something, yeah, is that that food critic has probably tasted hundreds, if not yes. thousands. That's so true. that information can't be dismissed. But right? for me, I mean, I, I just, I, I know we're not talking about me, but I'm going to make it about me. Um, I'm just not comfortable with... I guess just for me, I'm I'm so much more interested in the story behind the story. Sure. I don't want to, I can't eat a green curry uh, compartmentalized from everything else. Mm-hmm. The people who made it, the way I, I often compare a recipe to like a piece of classical music that is, you know, sheet music. Um, it's the same ingredients but the way it's interpreted is so different yeah. and by, you know, by the chef or by the home cook or whoever, and then the person eating it, it can evoke, it's like the scene in Ratatouille when the, <laughs> when the critic all of a sudden is like, I'm back in my childhood, I'm eating this Ratatouille dish. I'm thinking of my grandma, you know, yeah, yeah. there's too much there to be cold and austere about sure the sure. thing itself. Yeah. 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 And I can definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, we we just we watch chef chef's table on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, that show is so heightened. Oh my god! I mean, everything about it—the music, the cinematography—it's just like the, the, oh, that it's violin like life or death. Song. It feels like I don't know yeah. what. <laughs> I get tense. I like. I'm like. I know these guys are gonna succeed, but I'm still tense. Totally. You know. Yeah. Um, which is a, just kudos to whoever makes that show. Yeah, the drama is it, yeah big. It's like you took a situation. That has already happened. These persons yeah. are, yes, successful or else you wouldn't be talking to them. Yeah, right. So I have no reason to be worried or emotionally like <laughs> in a tumultuous. Stop trip. the tape. I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's too, yeah. it's too intense. But we, the reason I bring that show up is because these folks have sacrificed, yep. which is a, a common trait in yeah. all of them. They've sacrificed time relationships energy sometimes their own health like totally uh grana shots with the uh alinea the chicago story he had the uh, had throat cancer right and all of a sudden it's like oh god this isn't about food anymore yeah you know this is about people yeah and to to think about them and to think about a a system that will rate their Mm. level of at that at that point at that level i want to i'm comfortable calling it art yeah at, yeah at that level someone will come along who they may even know as a critic and just rate them mm-hmm. and that could affect the trajectory of their whole life it's just really rough and i and i think that might be what you're describing of like how can one person say that about yeah. another person's creation right yeah. um that seems really unfair there are stories about people uh critics coming in and rating something very highly and i think food media is doing this a lot lately where it's the best burger in america you put it on the cover of the magazine or you know you, you yeah. spray it all over the internet places are being made by that kind of coverage, but then yeah. actually making it is breaking them because their system is not set up to handle sure. that kind of you mean like demand. The, oh, okay. Yeah. You mean like the, the infrastructure within the restaurant? Yes. Yeah. There was 
quite literally a burger place. I can't remember where it was, but um, somebody, I think it was on First We Feast or I can't remember. Some website said it's the best burger in, oh, it was in Oregon. The mm. best burger in America is in this city. This is the name of it. Here's why. And this journalist did just a really splashy, heightened, dramatic story about it. Mm-hmm. People flooded this restaurant and it broke the restaurant. They had to close. How did it break the restaurant? It was too much. It was too much for staffing. It was too much, I think, um, in terms of mental health for the owners. Oh. It becomes a thing. I mean, when people are lined too deep around the block, it's, yeah. it's just not It's not possible. So we need to be careful. Which is funny, at least to me, because it's, a, it's like to have a line too deep, not, not that the chef... Or the owner created a delicious burger. Oh, sure. I'm that, sure it's great. I'm not laughing at that. Yeah. I'm laughing at the crowd's response yeah. to an article. Yep. Like the demand that people impose upon their own like life. It's like, I have to travel it's to this true. place. I have to have it. I will stand for hours outside so I can have this burger just to say I tried it. Yep. That is bizarre to me. I think I used to travel like that. Jake and I used to. Yeah. I remember a hot dog place in Portland that I had to have it. And uh, yeah, it was great hot dog. But now life is so different now. And I, I like you, I find that so just, yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little bit much. And all of that informs like what I do at Novo. Yeah. And because People take photos of their food all the time. Yeah. So we have to be conscious of that even more when we present the food. Yeah. Right. Cause now like while I was just bagging on Yelp and Yelp reviewers, like everyone is an advertiser for your business mm-hmm. now, you know, um, whether it's they're posting photos on their social media, they're telling friends IRL, IRL, did you just say that? Yeah, oh. I did. Because <laughs> we're I, IRL right I've now. Heard, I've heard people using it and part of out part, loud part and- of my literary self <laughs> internally just cringes and dies. Just wait. I mean, yeah. you'll have kids and they will say things like that and you will want to die because it's like yeah. I remember a day when nobody said IRL because everything was IRL. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, my husband who would knows ar- how kids are going to communicate in like 20 years they'll just it'll be telepathy Grunts. All. <laughs> okay listen my husband says that i am really bad at wrapping up conversations okay you've given me so much time and like i just that. love it but i have one last question yeah let's say you're dying Ooh. death okay. and you know it's going to be like tomorrow yeah what would you eat tonight if you knew you were going to die isn't that morbid and yet kind no, of like celebratory fine. at the same time. Like, yeah. What would it be? The last indulgence. Yeah. Um, am I by myself? Mm. No. Let's see you're with Amber or okay. with, or with your family. Yeah. Let's say. I would say family dinner. Yeah. Um, dessert wouldn't be. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. My, my mom's dad uh, makes this incredible rice pudding. Mm-hmm. it's just the most sugar and cinnamon and fatty milk you can pack into mm-hmm. a rice kernel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this very distinct memory of him like standing over a pot and literally just stirring it for like three, four hours. Mm. Like it's insane. He's so, an expert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
that would be dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, appetizer would probably be the uh, Novo Spring Rolls. Mm-hmm. I could They're probably so I could have those every day, yep. every day of the week. Um, and then entree would be. It's gonna sound gross, but it would be like a mixture of things. Mm-hmm. It would be my my mom, <laughs> my mom's like refried beans mm. and Spanish rice. Why are those different? Why are those special? Her refried beans. Um, because at their best, they're made with like bacon grease mm. and mm-hmm. just just the right amount of salt. The textures like it's not gelatinous like stuff you get out of a can and like it's starchy enough that it's filling Mm -hmm. the spanish rice is like a lot of garlic onion tomato like this beautiful orange tone to it yeah um and then tri-tip that my dad makes Mm -hmm. he he just shoves garlic cloves into the meat you know, it's on the grill for hours, mm. sliced medium rare, mm-hmm. um, and some King's Hawaiian rolls on the side because those <laughs> are delicious. <laughs> they are. I defy anyone. Yeah. I mean, like maybe you don't eat them because they're not good for you. Fine. But you it's know, they, meal. Why do I care? they are objectively delicious. Yeah, I think so. And they sell them in little four packs now. <laughs> to kind of string you out just for a couple days yeah they're like don't want to wait for a special occasion (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay now i know what to serve you when you guys come over yeah Yeah. so if you want to talk to my mom i love it we'll just assemble all the people yeah that's really nice of you to have us over for my last meal i really i'm happy to do it (laughs) damien you're awesome thank you for coming and talking yeah of course Thanks again for listening to Consumed. Special thanks to Chris Lambert, who advised me and edited the show. Want to hear more? Visit letsgetconsumed.com for more tasty interviews and news about upcoming episodes. And please share Consumed with a friend. The more, the merrier. Until next time, this is Jamie Lewis.